Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, we have the privilege of standing and singing together the first song. We're going to sing every day. So why don't, let's all stand. Thank you. 
friends. Stay standing. Greet one. Of, greet those around you, please. Good morning, everyone. Special welcome to any of you who may be visiting with us. Maybe this is your first time here, first time in a long time. If you would help us to get some information about the church to you simply by raising your hand, Pastor Kevin will find you. They'll give you that packet of information. And uh, inside is a card we'd like for you to fill out. If you would, please put that in the offering plate, and then we can acknowledge your visit by letter. So uh, make sure that you leave your hand up long enough and put it up high enough, and Pastor Kevin will find you. If your row hasn't passed the friendship pad yet, if you'll pass it and then back again and note the names of the people in your row and uh, try to memorize names and be able to greet each other by name. Also, uh, we encourage you all to be attending Bible school after this. And if you're not sure where to go, uh, in the back in the narthex, there is an information center, welcome center. There's some very nice people there who would direct you to the proper class and make sure that you find it and take care of all your needs in that way. I want to encourage everyone, as always, to please read the bulletin. We've got a lot of opportunities to be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and then to be reaching out to the world, which is our vision for the church. So be sure to read through the bulletin. I'm not going to go through the announcements, but you'll see there are some inserts about a ladies' outing coming up to winter tour. There's a preview of the fall Bible conference, and we'd like to encourage you to be thinking and praying about that even now. Announcements about a men's work day coming up. Senior Fellowship Lunch, Trunk or Treat coming up, and uh, we're trying to mobilize as many people as possible, so be sure to read about that and how you can help. Side by Side has a, a real nice announcement in there for us. There's a family Thanksgiving dinner here at the church that you haven't heard about before, so be sure to be reading about all of that. This note that is not in the bulletin, Doris Singley went home to be with the Lord. Some of you will remember Doris, a longtime member of the church, she went home to be with the Lord on Thursday, and the funeral service will be here tomorrow at 11 a.m. There'll be a viewing at 10 a.m. In lieu of flowers, gifts would be appreciated. 
by the family to the Hospice Promise Foundation or here to the church. It's not designated, so you could simply make it out to the church if that's what you would like to do. Will you join me now in prayer, please? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for even the time of announcements because they're significant. They're calling us to receive instruction. They're calling us to fellowship, both of which involve our growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're calling us to evangelism. And thank you so much for the opportunities that we do have to be reaching out. And thank you that here this morning we have an opportunity to worship you together, to be with others who know and love you. And thank you so much for the privilege that is ours, the privilege that we have to once again receive that instruction from your word because we do want to be growing in the Lord Jesus Christ and we do want to be reaching out to the world. So equip us and help us and at the same time be glorified in our midst. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jaime and Monica Almeida, our missionaries serving in Peru, are here with us this morning. And we've asked them to come up and give us a brief greeting and also let us know what it is that they're doing and how we can stand with them in prayer. So Jaime and Monica, if you'd come up right now, let's welcome them here at All the Union Church this morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm Jaime, my wife Monica. We are from Peru. Uh, Sixty years ago, Alan Shannon, missionary, uh, he, wa he went to Peru and he met my father, Segundino Almeida. Um, my father, he is a Quechua man from the highlands of Peru, and when he was born, he died because he was a rich baby. My grandpa decided to put that baby outside of home. And that happened around 7 o'clock in the morning. By 2 o'clock in the afternoon, my grand aunt arrived, and she said, where is that baby? My grandma said, we put that baby outside. He died. She ran, took the baby, and covered with her blanket. By 5 o'clock in the afternoon, after she started praying, that baby started crying. My grandpas were afraid, and, and, and they said, what are you doing? This is not good. This is not going to be okay for the, for the land and for the mountains and for the harvest. And she said, I heard about Jesus Christ. Somebody told me about Jesus, that he is the Lord, that he is a God of love and life. If we are here, it's because of the faith of my grand aunt, because somebody presented Jesus Christ in their own language, and she heard about God in a way that she understood. What we are doing right now, we are recording different languages in Peru based on God's word together with Wycliffe. We record more than 30 different languages in Peru. In 2009, we started doing projects around in Ecuador, Colombia, Paraguay, and next year we will start in Brazil. Thank you very much for all the, the years you have been supporting missionaries in Peru. Thank you for being supporting Alan, my father, and now me. Together, we have just one vision, that all people in Latin America can hear God's word in their own language. Thank you very much for all your prayers and support and your friendship to us. Thank you.
Would you join me as we pray? Our great God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning to worship you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the privilege that we have of singing praise to your name, of studying your word and getting to know more about you, of understanding the relationship that you desire to have with us. Father, we don't take this for granted. We recognize that there are many around the world who have never heard of who you are, have never heard of the name Jesus Christ, or simply are not allowed to gather in his name. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have. And we pray that this morning that all of our attention would be focused on you and you alone, that we would put aside all those other things that tend to distract us, that we might focus on you and worshiping you, focusing on your greatness, your power, your majesty, focusing on your love and your grace, that we might exalt you to your proper place. So we pray for your help this morning because we are so easily distracted and we need your help to be able to focus on who you are. We need your help to be able to focus on your word as it is open to us, that we might pay attention, that we might understand it. We need the Holy Spirit to be working in our hearts to teach us, to convict us. And so we pray that he would be doing that this morning. Father, we're grateful that we have the privilege of praying, knowing that you hear us and that we can lift our requests before you. And, and so we do that this morning, recognizing that there are many in our body who are sick, who are in need of, of healing right now. And so we pray that you, the great physician, if it would be your will, might touch their bodies and bring them back to health. And yet in the midst of the difficulty of of experiencing um, illness or accident, Father, we pray that you would use this time to draw them closer to yourself. Father, we also understand and recognize that there are many in our, our body who are hurting in different ways, uh, out of a job, relationships that are strained, children who are not walking with you right now. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be at work in the hearts of each of those individuals, comforting where they need to be comforted, encouraging where encouragement is needed. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would do what only he can do. At the same time, we pray for our responsibility and role as a body, that we might come around those who are hurting and who are struggling, that we might lift them up to you in prayer, but that we might also lend a hand and do the things that we can do to help them as they struggle. Father, we're thankful that we can pray for our missionary body. Father, we're thankful for Jaime and Monica and, and their ministry in Peru. Father, we ask that you continue to use them in great and mighty ways as they, are, as they are working amongst the Peruvian people and as they look to expand that. 
Father, we pray for all of our missionaries. We recognize that so many are so far away from home, disconnected from family and friends, sometimes lonely, sometimes discouraged. And so we pray that you would use us to encourage our hearts this morning. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in them, bringing sweet communion between you and them to be and encouraging their hearts in the work that they're doing. We pray that their work uh, might bear great fruit and that you might allow them the privilege of seeing some of that, that it might encourage our hearts. Father, we pray for our college students. We thank you for them. We thank you for sending so many of them out to the campuses across this country, not just to study, but that they might be salt and light on those campuses. We pray that you would give them the strength that they need and the courage that they need to stand for Jesus Christ there, to share the gospel with those who are in desperate need of the hope of Jesus. Father, we pray that they would not get so distracted by their studies, as important as they are, that they would forget their primary purpose of sharing Jesus where they are. Father, we pray the same for our military personnel this morning. We pray for your protection of them, and we pray that you would use them on the mission field that you've placed them, wherever it might be around this world. Father, thank you for our leaders. We pray that you would encourage them and grant them great wisdom this morning as they lead us, as they take our body where it is that you desire for us to be. And then, Father, for the privilege of worshiping you through giving, we thank you for all that you've given to us. We recognize that we have so much. And we ask that as, as we have this moment that we can give back to you, that we would do so with joyful hearts, recognizing that what we have is not ours. And, Father, as we continue to worship, May the attitude of our hearts be the same as the psalmist's. May we long for you as the deer longs for water. May we worship you in spirit and in truth, that you might receive all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name.
Jaime to come on back up. Monica, you can stay there, but Jaime, come on back up here for a minute, please. I think I intimidated him when I told him brief. <laughs> and I think it would really be helpful, I think it would be really helpful if you could tell us what it is that you and Monica do specifically in serving the Lord in Peru. Okay. Well, uh, we are um, trying to develop audiovisual materials in a way that this minority groups around Latin America can understand. We have in Peru like 40 different languages. We have in Ecuador 25 different languages. In Colombia 60 different languages. and Paraguay 18 different languages. So what we want to do is to provide God's word in audio or video. We have, we record together uh, with the Jesus Film Project, dubbing the Jesus Film in different languages recording the New Testament, and also now we are dubbing uh, a video called Deditos, which is finger puppets. Uh, this video, it's just for children. And we have dubbed this video for children for three languages in Peru, and we have two more projects in Colombia. So we want to share with all these groups, and we want to provide God's word in a way they can understand. It's, it's known that it's Spanish, it's, it's, spoke, it's spoken in Latin America, but there are more, more languages that they don't have here God's word in a way they can understand. So we are trying to develop an audio or video so they can understand God's word. 
You should see the uh, finger puppets if you haven't had a chance to yet. Those of you that were in prayer meeting on Wednesday night saw them, and some of the kids are going to see them this morning and some a little bit later on in the Bible school hour. Um, they can do a whole lot of things with a finger and um, paint faces on and do all sorts of it's It's incredible what they do with that and other non-print media, which is a way to reach people who are not yet able to read, and even people who do read who, who love to do that. But thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Please join me for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can get excited about your word right now. Thank you that as we open it, we realize that this is not something that a committee put together. This is not something that human beings concocted. It is your word. Thank you for revealing what it is that you would have us to know about living lives to please you. So help us especially this morning as this is so subtle what we're going to be looking at. And we're going to have to make some changes within ourselves. I pray that you'd help none of us to be thinking about anyone else other than ourselves. Because we're the only ones with the help of your Holy Spirit who can make the proper diagnosis and then treatment in our lives to see what's going on here. So we thank you for what you're going to accomplish. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're continuing our study in Matthew. I uh, ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. I love studying through the scriptures verse by verse and chapter by chapter because if I didn't do that and I spoke topically every week, we would never ever hear this message. This is not a topic that I would pick to preach, but I do believe that God has picked it and we have an appointment with him to see this in our lives this morning. As I prayed, this is going to be very subtle. It's something that each one of us is going to have to apply to ourselves no looking around, thinking around about someone else. It's strictly between us and the Lord. So you'll see as I read this, Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And after that comes a model prayer and then another example of righteousness, fasting, that we shouldn't show off in front of other people. So you'll see that in the first half of chapter 6 that is here before us, Jesus deals with three specific areas of practical righteousness. Those areas of practical righteousness take place in each individual's life. One of them is giving to the needy, the first four verses. Another one is prayer, 
and that's verses 5 through 15, and we're not going to see all of those verses this morning, and fasting, that's, that also for another time, verses 16 to 18. But you'll notice something here. The name Father is found 10 times in these 18 verses. And if, if you want to count them, if you get bored during a later message, you can do that, but you'll find Father 10 times showing an emphasis that everything that we do should be to please the Father and not to show off to other people. That's the core of the message this morning, that whatever we do that is good and right and proper is for the sake of the Father. It's not about us. It's not about the reaction that we can get from other people. It's not what they might think about us. It's what the Father may think about us. These eight verses that we are going to look at this morning have a common thread that is running through them, and that common thread is the whole idea of rewards. You'll see the word rewards shows up five times and keeps showing up. Rewards are actually a fringe benefit of obedience, not the purest motivation for obedience. But the Bible speaks a lot about rewards all over the scriptures, and particularly we see it here in this passage. God is telling us if you want the right rewards, the ones that he gives, not the ones that we get due to the acclaim of people, then we need to do it his way, which means in a humble way. So we have before us this morning a warning and two of the three examples that are in these first 18 verses that we're going to be looking at this morning. So first of all, a warning in verse 1. It starts out using the word beware. Beware. The NIV says be careful. I think that's a little bit weak. I like the ESV here. Beware. The New Living Translation says watch out. I like that even better. It's from a Greek word that means to hold or to take hold of something and then pay attention to it especially in the sense of being on guard. And so what we're being told here is to be on full alert. Now think about full alert. We have a little dog at home, Shadow, and when we go walking, Shadow knows where other dogs sometimes show up. And so when we get to those spots, you can see immediately she tenses up and she is on half alert. She's half alert at that point. She knows other dogs are there. If she sees another dog, she's on full alert. Those of you that have dogs, I think, understand what that's all about. Full alert. Her body tenses. You have to grab the leash because you know what she's about to try to do. She wants to get to that other dog. It doesn't matter how big the other dog is. Uh, she just wants to get there. That's, that's full alert. Well, that's the picture that is here before us. Beware. Watch out. What in particular? It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And that's the important clause there, in order to be seen by them. You've got to practice righteousness in front of other people. We've got to do good things that people are going to see from time to time. The question is, what is the motive? Is it in order to be seen by them? You can see already how subtle this is. I mentioned that. To, to be able to discern our own motives in our hearts. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing this because I want to serve God because I love Him? Because I want to give back to Him in response to everything He's given to me? Or am I doing it really, bottom line, for me? Am I doing it so that people will think that I'm a really fine Christian lady or a Christian man? 
Am I doing it so that it'll come back somehow to me instead of be given from me to the Lord? It says here, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, to be seen or to be noticed, as it is in some of the translations, is related to the term from which we get theater. You can see on the screen an example of that. It's a spectacle to be gazed at. We're not to be noticed in that way. That's not our motivation at all. Living righteously is no theatrical performance. Our lives are not lived on stage for the approval and acclaim of people. Now, there are three examples where true righteousness needs to live, and three examples that follow in this teaching. But the principle is not limited to just those three. Giving to the needy, or praying, or fasting. They're the three examples in the chapter, but any act of righteousness that we ever do shouldn't be a theater display of ourselves. And that's the point that's made over and over again here. We need to apply this teaching to any and all areas of righteous acts that we do. But remember again, you'll hear me say this several times, it's all about motive. Asking the question, why? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I serving in the nursery? Why am I singing on a worship team? Why am I helping out in a Bible school class, or why am I helping out an old Bible camp, or why do I get involved with Awana? Am I doing it because it's expected that I do something and I need to do something, or people are going to think I'm not a very good Christian, or am I really motivated by helping the people that I'm involved with and serving the Lord? It's all about motive. And the warning again is to avoid showing off. Don't call unnecessary attention to yourself. And don't worry if you're not given the credit or honor that you feel you deserve. There you are, you're, you're serving and you're working very, very hard. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. When was the last time somebody said thank you to me for doing this? None of that really matters. When you boil it all down, it becomes a pride issue. And so the warning that's there before us is to be willing to take the back seat. Let the spotlight shine on someone else. It doesn't have to be on me. Don't be involved in self-promotion. You don't have to do good things so others will see you in them. So that they will know that it is you that did that. So that you'll be more highly regarded by other people. And then it says here, if you don't heed the warning, then the reward you may have received from God will be forfeited. If you have an English Standard Version study Bible, it has this note, public acts of obedience are valuable and honorable. And I'd add unavoidable. We've got to do that publicly sometimes. But if they are done merely for the sake of public recognition, there will be no reward from God. If you're doing good things motivated by being noticed by others, God says, you can do that, but I will take no notice. You can do it for the notice of other people, but if you do, I will take no notice there will be no heavenly reward then. Now, what is the reward that we're missing? What is that heavenly reward? Well, we aren't told specifically. There's a study note in the NIV study Bible, spiritual growth and maturity, or perhaps a heavenly reward of some kind, or both. It could be spiritual. It could be later on down the road. We don't really know, but that's in God's hands. But the reward 
he would give us, we forfeit if we get the reward of being noticed. So if we want to go on center stage, we want everybody to see what we're doing and make sure we get credit, God says, go ahead, help yourself, but I'm not going to notice that at all. Again, for about the fourth time, do you see how subtle this is? Do you see how each one of us has to grapple with ourselves? It's not about anybody else, but my motivation. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Then there's an example that's going to be given for us. An example in verses 2 to 4. You notice it starts out, when you give to the needy. It doesn't say if. It says when you give to the needy. And we understand how God views the needy. How God wants us to reach out to the poor. How God wants us to help those less fortunate than, than we are. But it says, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. If it's the praise of people you're looking for, that's all the reward you will get. It goes on to say once again. Interesting when it says, sound no trumpet. Can you picture that? Can you picture the person who is in a situation where he's giving to the needy, but he wants everybody else to know how generous he is, so he's sounding a trumpet so that everybody can be called to attention, look at what I am doing. And I do believe that that's an example that's ridiculous and purposefully so that is here before us, because sound no trumpet. There's no evidence that we can find that this practice actually took place, according to the Jewish historical writings. could be an example of hyperbole or exaggeration, or speaking in metaphorical language. But the picture is there. There is one missionary report of Hindu priests being seen literally doing that very thing to get a crowd to see their acts of charity. But the point that's being made is don't make a big deal out of it. So whether this is a literary figure or meant to be taken literally, the point is very clear. Giving to the needy is not a spectator sport. It's a private, anonymous event. Otherwise, I'm giving to the needy, but if I'm letting everyone know what I'm doing, I'm calling the attention right back to myself, and my giving is not for the sake of someone else, it's for my own sake. The point that's being made over and over again here. Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. Well, who are the hypocrites? Well, if you look on the screen, you'll see the example here. The word originally referred to Greek actors. The actors were masked to fit in with whatever role they were playing. The expression two-faced came from that practice, referring to the one who has one face ordinarily. Uh, all of us do. We have a face, and like it or not, this is what God gave us, and this is our face. But it's referring to one who puts on a second face, and then acts differently under that second face or under that mask. Somebody who is two-faced. That's where that expression came from, hypocrites. People that are two-faced. People that are one thing here maybe in church on a Sunday and something else at home, in the neighborhood, at school, at work, or wherever it may be. Matthew uses this word hypocrites 13 times, Mark a couple of times, and Luke three times. One example in Mark chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, Jesus said to them, 
Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Hypocritical, two-faced, if you will. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. So we're seeing something that we've seen all through the Sermon on the Mount so far. It's all about the heart. All about the heart. It's not enough just to be secretive about doing good deeds. Do you realize there are some people that are very good at doing that? I'm going to help out a family that's in need, and I'm not going to let them know who it is. Therefore, I've achieved all that God wants me to in this situation. But it's not enough. The heart needs to be adjusted properly. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever find yourself having done an anonymous good deed and then wishing people found out it was you? Do you understand what I'm saying? You've done something anonymously, but you're hoping they're going to find out about it. You're hoping, but you're not going to be the one who blows the trumpet, but you're somehow hoping that they figure it out, and then they can come back and they can thank you, and you're the one ultimately then who is gaining from this experience. So in the Sermon on the Mount, it's all about the heart. It's all about the motivation. It's all about the attitude. The actions may be right. I've given this anonymously, but where's my heart? My heart is that I really want this to come back on me again at some point. I read someone quoting Augustine recently. He said, the love of honor is the deadly bane of true piety. Other vices bring forth evil works, but this brings forth good works in an evil way. Hypocrisy is so dangerous because it is so deceptive. It uses things that are basically good for purposes that are basically evil. Hypocrisy, he goes on to say, is the homage that vice pays to virtue. So what exactly were these people doing at that particular time? They were broadcasting how good they were. And it would come back on them. Hypocrisy does. When I'm acting one way, but inside I'm another way, it comes back and gets me. Some of you are familiar with the Aesop's fable that tells of the wolf who wanted to have a sheep for his dinner. And he decided to disguise himself as a sheep and follow the flock out into the field. While the wolf waited until the sheep went to sleep, the shepherd decided he would have mutton for his own meal. In the dark, he picked out what he thought was the largest, fattest sheep. But after he had killed the animal, he discovered it was a wolf. What that shepherd did inadvertently to a wolf in sheep's clothing, God does intentionally. He judges hypocrisy. Think about this. Who is Jesus hardest on than anyone else? The hypocrites. That's what Jesus didn't like. One of the most damaging things that can be done to the cause of Christ is for selfish, self-centered, sinful believers to masquerade as sincere followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, one of the most damaging things that can be done to the cause of Christ is those who don't walk their talk. It's why many unbelievers turn their back on the church. You ever hear anybody say this? I don't see any reason to become a Christian. My next door neighbor 
is a Christian and goes to church every week, and he is no different than I am, except on Sundays. Did you ever hear that? I've heard that, and I've heard hypocrites saying the church is filled, I mean, unbelievers saying the church is filled with hypocrites. Or she's not the same person in the outside world as she is in the church. Or that Christian puts on a good show, but you should see him in real life. Nothing that I've seen damages the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ more than those who are part of a church community who live that way here, but not anywhere else. Some people will never come to a church because what they say are the hypocrites that fill the pews in a church. Picture this whole idea of a hypocrite, the wolf in the sheep's clothing. And understand that unwittingly, there are many of us who are in that same boat. So the point here, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And obviously that is a figure of speech and exaggeration, not to be taken literally, but emphasizing the anonymity of giving. So that your giving may be in secret, it says. It's the way our giving should be, in secret. That's the way you give, in secret. It always catches notice of your father, whose vision is not impaired in the least by secretiveness. He will reward you. Do something good in secret. It's not in secret from the father. He understands exactly what is going on all the time. So the question becomes, which reward do you prefer? the acclaim of people, or the reward of God. Whatever that reward may be, we have to trust him for what that is. We can't tell you exactly what that is. Now think about that the next time that you feel unnoticed, underappreciated. You feel like you're flying under the radar. You're ignored. You're taken for granted. Now please listen really carefully to this. You find yourself complaining, even if only to yourself, that no one cares about all the hard work you're putting into a particular ministry, then it's not a ministry. A ministry is serving others, serving the Lord, serving others by serving the Lord. Let me say that again. You find yourself complaining, even if only to yourself, that no one cares about all the hard work that you're putting into a particular ministry, then it's not a ministry. It's not about serving It's all about self. What you do to be noticed is seen by a human crowd. What you do for the Lord in secret is secret from the human crowd, but seen in secret by the Father. He has better than ultraviolet light on each one of us. He's able to see what's veiled from others. Well, that's the first example when you give to the needy. There's a second example in verses 5 to 8. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. So here the hypocrites are showing themselves again. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at street corners that they may be seen by others. The more witnesses to their praying, the better. Now the problem here is not that they were standing. It's not the posture. That time many of the prayers were offered from a standing posture. But sometimes Jews would pray like the Muslims do today. 
at certain appointed times during the day. This is the hour of prayer, and it would occur time and time again. So they would stop and pray wherever they were when that time arrived. (laughs) But very conveniently, as I'm going about my daily business, I can orchestrate things so that I get to be right here on the main corner when that time comes so that a lot of people can see me praying then. That's what's going on here. People deliberately manufacturing events for themselves, for their own purposes. And so, as we're looking at this, people stopping and praying when they wanted to, it's not the where, it's not the how, it's the why. Is the motivation to please and honor and glorify God or to build me up in front of others? For those who were indulging their own pride, Jesus said, truly they have received their reward The NIV says twice, in full. They've received it in full. That's all they're ever going to get. They've received the reward already. Because people are saying, look at him. Look at the way he's praying there. He must be a very, very godly person. Looking back at verse 1, you may see it says no reward there. Verse 2 talks about their reward Verse 5, their reward once again. But verses 4 and 6, the Father's reward. Question is, whose do you want? The choice is yours. But remember, the chief motivation for obedience and for righteousness is not reward. I don't serve, I don't minister for the reward that I'm going to get. It's a fringe benefit. God promises us that. It can be somewhat of a motivation. Some verses are going to show up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, verse 9. Pure motivation. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. That's enough of a reward all by itself. I'm doing it to please Him. Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, let your light shine before others. We've got to do that. So that they may see your good works. Yes, that does happen. That's not the wrong part. But so they see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Not to me. My motivation is His glory. Then in 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Goes on from there in verses 7 and 8. How did Jesus say we should pray? First thing that he says is go into your room. New American Standard says go into your inner room. King James says go into your closet. Holman Christian Standard Bible says go into your private room. The Greek word here probably means storeroom. Different than any of the other rooms in their homes at that particular time because it had a door. And that door could be shut could even be locked. Not a bad image to think about a closet in that sense. But not just to avoid distraction, but to avoid pretentiousness. You go there so that people don't see you showing off. So Jesus said, go into your room, somehow private. Shut the door. 
pray to our Father who is in secret, who is unseen. He'll reward you. He sees what is done in secret. And then he says, don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. They think that they will be heard for their many words. The most extreme example that I could think of that is found in 1 Kings. If you turn back with me to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18. If you look at verse 25, this is Elijah confronting Ahab and all the prophets of Baal. I think you know the story well enough that I won't read the whole chapter. But we'll pick up in verse 25. This is the contest of the gods here right now. The contest of the gods, whether the true God can compete with Baal and the prophets of Baal, according to verse 25. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, now notice this, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, and this is really something, God's prophet, talking all kinds of smack and trash to these people here. Listen to what he says. This, this, is, this is almost, amu- well, this is amusing. It's not even almost amusing. Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Excuse me. Yeah, cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, uh, you know, he's, he's deep in thought somewhere and you can't get through to him. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself. It could have one of two meanings there. You can go whichever way you want to go with that one. Or he is on a journey. You know, he's, he's on vacation right now. Um, Or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. I mean, he's making all kinds of fun of Baal in front of the prophets. So how did they react? And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation, hours later now, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. So you see what they're doing. All day long, they're crying out, thinking they're going to get the attention of Baal somehow, someway. Now, if you move over to verse 36, what a contrast. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Period. End of prayer. Then the fire came down on the altar. 
Don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. They think that they will be heard for their many words, but it doesn't work that way. Now, this doesn't mean that all long prayers are wrong, as we're seeing this. All long prayers are not wrong. What's wrong is meaningless repetition, trying to impress God by the weight of our words. Heaping up empty phrases is translating the word, translated by the word babbling by several modern translations. New American Standard Version refers to it as meaningless repetition. King James calls it vain repetition. The Greek word behind it is bato logeo, believed to be onomatopoetic. In other words, it sounds like the word itself, like our word moaning, sounds like somebody actually moaning. Same case here. The whole idea of babbling. You don't need to keep doing that. I'm going to share something right now. I think that you realize that we aren't in the business of bashing other religions. We try to accent the truth, but sometimes in speaking the truth, we do step on some toes. It's done in love. But let me share with you this quote. Many Buddhists spin wheels containing written prayers, believing that each turn of the wheel sends that prayer to their God. Roman Catholics light prayer candles in the belief that their requests will continue to ascend repetitiously to God as long as the candle is lit. Rosaries are used to count off repeated prayers of Hail Mary and Our Father. The rosary itself, coming to Catholicism from Buddhism, believe it or not, by way of the Spanish Muslims during the Middle Ages. Certain charismatic groups in our own day repeat the same words or phrases over and over until the speaking degenerates to unintelligible confusion. The point that's made here, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. We don't have to keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over again. Because if 99 times doesn't do it, maybe 100 will. And if 100 doesn't do it, maybe we keep going and keep going. Does this mean also, as we're looking at what is here before us, that public praying becomes wrong? That all prayers should be in private? Is that what it's saying? No. Jesus prayed publicly. The Lord's Prayer had plural pronouns. Give us this day, our Father who's in heaven. Solomon, other Old Testament kings, the early church, all through the Bible, public prayers are offered. Again, it's back to motive. Why am I praying out loud? Is it so that others can join with me and we're praying corporately, which is very significant, very good to do? Or am I praying out loud so that other people will say, what an eloquent prayer that is. That person must spend a lot of time with God. Back to Matthew 6, 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Well, following the attack on Pearl Harbor, Commander Joe Rochford broke Japanese communication codes. Stationed at an intelligence base in Oahu, he predicted the Japanese would attack Midway on June 3, 1942, which they did. Because of Rochefort's expertise, the United States surprised the Japanese Navy with its first defeat, actually in 350 years, the first time they'd been defeated. Japan lost four carriers, one cruiser, 2,500 men, 322 aircraft, and their best pilots. 
Due to this crippling defeat, Japan eventually lost the war. Surprisingly, Rochefort never received recognition for his efforts. Instead, some intelligence men in Washington, D.C. falsified reports and claimed credit, even though they had predicted a June 10th date, a week later, for the attack. Washington sealed the records for 40 years, and Rochefort was never properly rewarded. In fact, he was actually removed from intelligence and assigned to a floating dry dock in San Francisco. Three military men wrote a book later on. And in that book, they tell about a note that Rochefort kept on his desk. We can accomplish anything, providing no one cares who gets the credit. The author writes, that was the attitude that won the Battle of Midway. That's the attitude that Jesus says wins many battles for us in our Christian lives. It doesn't matter who gets the credit, and it doesn't matter who doesn't get the credit. All kinds of great things can be done if we're all in it for the proper motivation to please and glorify the Lord, not to call attention to my contribution. The church is the body. The body all works together. We rejoice when good things get done. It doesn't have to be about me. It's not about us getting credit. It's about him getting glory. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we want the glory to be yours. I pray for those who right now have been serving in anonymity, those who have been serving without perhaps getting the credit either that they deserve or that they desire. But thank you for your reward. And thank you for those who tirelessly serve you and serve us and serve others. Thank you for the lesson that causes each one of us to be introspective here this morning, to examine our motives. Am I up front because I like to be up front? Or am I up front because that's what you've gifted me to do, what you've called me to do, the opportunities that have arisen so that I can serve you better? Help us to really grapple with these issues. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing together, uh, I think it's helpful to uh, realize the one we are singing to. And... Uh, I think if the words were changed up on this song, it could really twist around some of the meaning. Let's stand together and we'll sing Here I Am to Worship.
not to be confined here but as we leave here for further instruction in your word then we go out into the world help us to be salt light and fragrance help us to be able to worship you in such a way that's not pretentious that doesn't call attention to ourselves but directs everyone to you may our light so shine before individuals that they'll see our good works but they'll glorify you and not us it's a fine line we travel help us we thank you in Jesus name Here I am to worship, here I am. 